welcome. I'm Ryan Whitley. I'm Jessica Burke. And I'm Damian Smith. And together, we're the brand new Whiskey and the Weird podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. So back in 2018, the British Library started releasing a new series of books, The Tales of the Weird. Each book groups weird stories of yesteryear according to a particular theme. And these aren't stories you're likely familiar with either. They are intentionally resurrected from obscurity. Each season, we here at Whiskey and the Weird plan to tackle one book in the series, bringing you a totally spoilerific, in-depth discussion of one or two stories each episode. This first season, we thought that it made sense to start at the beginning. The first book released in the series was called From the Depths, Strange Tales of the Sea, edited by Mike Ashley. We're not going to cover every story in the books, and we're going to skip around in them too, according to Jess's master plan. So for this first episode, we've chosen the titular tale, From the Depths. But before we get to that, we've got a little bar talk to do. So this is when we're going to tell you, A, what we're drinking, and B, something that we've enjoyed since the last time we gathered, and uh, we think that you might enjoy it too. So I will go ahead and get started. I am enjoying my absolute favorite Scottish whiskey, the Balmore 12. It is peaty. It is salty. I can taste the sea when I drink this particular scotch. And I did drink some as I read a fantastic collection of stories that was just released called There Is No Death, There Are No Dead. It's edited by Jess Landry and Aaron French, and it's a collection of stories about spiritualism, which was this weird, like, 19th century religious movement that featured seances and big social parties. Each story in the anthology uh, takes a different tack on that theme, and I had such a great time with it. i got to tell you guys, um, not only because the stories are well-written by some of the best authors writing in horror today, but also because that's genuinely a topic that creeps me out. So There Is No Death, There Are No Dead, edited by Jess Landry and Aaron French. You should check it out. Jess, what are you drinking? I have a glass of a uh, rye whiskey made by Far North Spirits, which is a little tiny distillery that is from the town next to the little tiny town I grew up in in Minnesota. So it's about as far from the sea as you can get. Um, it's good. It's bright. It uh, gets the job done, most importantly. Um, and I've been reading... Um, it's a collection of short stories called I Hold a Wolf by the Ears by Laura Vandenberg. Um, it is dark, funny. I saw you post about Super that. strange. Um, very Florida. So I think you guys might get a kick out of that. Um, in particular, What's that supposed to mean? Uh, it's just a bunch of weirdos hanging out in Florida. Okay, um, that's me. Yeah, I was going to say. So the state. Uh, in particular, there's a story called The Pitch, which has some... Um, creepy woods, missing family members. Um, it's it's incredibly strange and really, really good. Solid, really solid collection. That sounds awesome. Damien? Yeah, well, I am drinking a delightful Japanese whiskey called Kayo. It's seven-year age in uh, Mizunara oak barrels. It is 
just incredible. It's got all that rich, deep, complex flavor of just an incredibly outrageous scotch, but I feel like they cheated and they cut it down to seven years as opposed to 50 years. I, I don't know. You know what? As far as science is concerned, I'm not really paying too much attention. I'm just drinking the whiskey again. That's seven-year Kayo whiskey. It's a Japanese whiskey aged in Mazunara uh, oak barrels, and it is absolutely delightful. Hey, have you all heard of James Wan? He did yeah. The Conjuring... <laughs> Yeah, he did Saw, the original Saw. Anyway, he's sort of a nutcase, and I just watched his newest release, Malignant, and I gotta say... Oh, uh, I've heard so much about that. Yeah, uh, I was watching... Uh, let's say, let's just say, let's break it down to the thirds. The first third of that movie, I was watching like, okay, alright, cool. I, I kind of get what this is going with, and it's got its own vibe, that's great. And then the uh, remaining two thirds, I was just like, absolutely out of my mind, bonkers, delightful, <laughs> crazy, spooky, gory, body horrific... Uh, it's a fun 97, 99, 105 minutes. you got to watch it. So James Wan's Malignant. Check it out. It's streaming near you. <laughs> That's right. awesome. Perfect. Uh, Easy. I've heard so much about that. Yeah, I've heard a lot about that movie. It's nuts. Um, it's nuts. I'm so, I'm so intrigued. Everybody, Everybody's going bonkers over it right It also now. has a really solid like poster or graphic, which I appreciate in a movie. Like oh a, no doubt it. it yeah, it, it totally <laughs> reminds. What was that movie where they the splinter went in the eye? Was that zombie? I don't know. Oh yeah, what was that? No, it was like a really I, slow. That's the movie that it reminds me take. of. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yes. some Italian director. Someone, if you're listening <laughs> yeah, and you know Fulci, the answer I think to it, it Fulci zombie. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta hit us up. Like DM us the answer. We're at, at whiskey weird pod Twitter Twitter at whiskey weird pod. So uh, hit us up with the answer. Obviously not that? devoted fans. Yeah, not yet. But, but you great, will be. A great thing. Callback. <laughs> it's gross, but right, the well, effects, again, the this, effects uh, are so terrible, you know. Because when the eye bursts, it's just like, uh, okay, what is that? Like a creamer uh, from Perkins? Give me a break. What are we looking at here? It probably was, but I appreciate the Perkins reference particularly. <laughs> no doubt, mammoth muffins. So yeah, again, for this first episode, we're reading from the depths, and uh, this is a story that is authored by. F. Britain Austin. So our next little segment's going. We're going to do some tweet reviews. This is for our folks that are like too long, didn't read. Just give me the skinny. And uh, here's mine for this story from the depths by F. Britton Austin. A year after the Great War, two engineers are searching for torpedoed wrecks in the Atlantic. What you don't know can kill you, especially if you don't know that your captain is a <laughs> former German sub commander, and the ships he sunk never really died. Splurt. Great fun. If predictable. <laughs> Alright, that was pretty good. Uh, I've got really solid, pretty obvious ghost story. Uh, even though you know exactly what's going to happen, you don't know quite how you're going to get there. Uh, and it's fun. Alright. Awesome. Well, Thank you. In, in that case, my tweet review is probably this. Well, as it turns out, ghosts really love to communicate via the Morse code. <laughs> Also, are Germans yeah. ever really the good guy? Find out more. <laughs> <laughs> well, as I mentioned, guys, this story is written by F. Britton Austin. The F in this case stands for Frederick. He was born in London in 1885 and died in 1941. Uh, in the early part of his life, uh, he served in the London Rifle Brigade, the British Expeditionary Force, and the Royal Army Service Corps. 
uh, all throughout World War I, he rose to the rank of captain. So obviously the military, uh, just a huge part of this guy's life. And that military experience comes to play in a ton of his writing. Um, not, not just his weird tales, but in a lot of the rest of the kind of stories that he, he wrote. Um, his weird tales, though, including this one, are collected in his uh, Weird Tales collection entitled On the Borderland, which is long out of print. I did check on eBay, and uh, if you want to spend over $100, you can get yourself a copy. I got that. Um, or you can just – or uh, sure you did. <laughs> or you can just read it here in, in From the Depths. Um, the dusk jacket on that, uh, on that copy, though, uh, draws comparisons between – uh, Britain Austin and Algernon Blackwood. So, so a bold statement there. Um, this story, like a lot of his stories, was published in a magazine called The Strand, um, which is actually still being printed, believe it or not. So this is a long-running fiction magazine. Um, this story was published in the February 1920 copy. And The Strand is famous for first publishing the Sherlock Holmes stories, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, and also first publishing a number of Agatha Christie's mystery short stories. So um, no, no slouches <laughs> there. And, and other notable contributors uh, included uh, P.G. Wodehouse, H.G. Wells, Leo Tolstoy, Rudyard Kipling, and Graham Greene. So this was a pretty awesome place to be published if you were a writer uh, at, at, at the uh, early part of the 20th century. Uh, the last thing I want to say about Britain is that he's got several film credits to his name as a writer, uh, including having written The Last Outpost, which was a 1935 World War I movie starring Cary Grant and Gertrude Michael. So, so good. Uh, so good. Yeah. I saw it just on some, DVD. Just some awesome stuff <laughs> Have there. you heard of DVD? <laughs> Cary Grant's, I don't know. I'm still on VHSs, I think. Cary Grant's wrinkles just pop. In DVD. I mean, nothing better than seeing him talking to Gertrude with, like, craters and crevices in his face and scalp. So I just want to let you know that. Check Do you it watch out. that on your 13-inch black and white VHS built-in TV? Had to adjust the rabbit ears on the top, you know, just uh, making it real. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's a little bit about Britain Austin. And, um, Jess, tell us what this story's about. All right, here we go. Okay, we open on a boat or a ship. I don't know the difference still. Uh, it's the SS Uppsal. It is a Swedish ship. Uh, it's described as having the remains of camouflage paint on it from World War I. Um, but the war is over, and now the crew just has to deal with only the bad weather. Who? Uh, no foreshadowing at all. Uh, life is good on the boat. Um, so we move from descriptions of choppy water, choppy seas, to the description of the mission. Uh, we find out that the Upsal is on a run to survey and locate wrecked ships for a later salvage operation. So uh, we get a few pages of description and then we meet our crew or part of the crew. So we've got Jensen and Lingstrand, and we can argue about how to say that, but I'm from Minnesota, so I'm saying Lingstrand. Uh, Langstrand. 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 <laughs> a Langstrand. Uh, both of these gentlemen are technical engineers, um, but Jensen is the boss of Langstrand and is taller, which uh, I guess needed to be pointed out. They're both Swedish. We also have Captain Horst, who 
is described mostly as just staring out to sea, looking grumpy, just kind of doing his own thing. Um, so we know where we are, we know who we are, and then the action starts uh, with Jensen and Lingstrand um, heading into the ship to get out of the bad weather. Um, they surprise the captain as they walk by, and he swears at them. Um, there are a bunch of descriptions of where they are in the boat um, and lots of ship terms. Uh, I looked all of them up. I retained none of them, so I know they are inside a boat. <laughs> I don't know more than that. Um, ship terms. Look them up. Yeah, there's there's a lot in this. Uh, I don't honestly remember any of them. So the well, they do mention the port. poop. So let's just talk about how they mention. Yeah, they the poop. mention the poop, but there's just like there's a lot of like eating in this, and I can't tell if they're all eating in the same place, if it's the same room. We're just going to breeze past that, and we've got our two settings inside the ship and outside the ship. Um, so the two engineers go inside the ship. They're looking through their charts to get ready for their surveying mission. So they're supposed to be looking for this boat, which is the Gloucester City. Um, and I'm going to avoid saying that as much as I can, because I do not think that's how it's pronounced, but that's as close as I As a as native I'm- Massachusetts, <laughs> I would like to bounce in here. And based on the fact that there is a Gloucester, Massachusetts, I'm going to go ahead and on behalf of Gloucester, say it's Gloucester. I googled uh, the English city that the boat would have been named after, of, and a very nice Englishman on YouTube said Gloucester with no there R. There we go. So, see, I would have guessed it was pronounced Worcestershire. Yeah. yeah well, it, this is this is the only place where both the Brits and the and the Americans would agree on pronunciation is here in good old Boston, Massachusetts. So, <sighs> yes, it is Gloucester. I agree with the, our our friend from overseas. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> they're looking at charts of this ship trying to find it and when they're looking at all of their charts they found out that the boat they're looking for sank one year ago today um jensen says that's just a coincidence um and wants to keep working asks lingstrand to grab another map they don't have the right map so they grab the captain's version i think they're like going through drawers again in whatever room they're in uh luckily for them Captain Horst's map already has the wreck they're looking for marked on it. Uh, But he also has Mm. a ton of other wrecks marked on it. And they're marked with red Mm. crosses. And also, Mm. look at that. It's a German map. Uh, Germans. So so the two dudes hem and haw about what it could mean. They talk about the captain's, like, perfect Swedish accent and how he couldn't possibly be German. uh, But kind of land on that he's probably German. Because he has this map, and uh, just then the captain walks in, sees what they're doing, grabs the map, and swears at them in German. 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 So the captain leaves, uh, and the two dudes have made the jump that now he's a German naval officer pretending to be Swedish, captaining the ship, uh, and that probably he's a U-boat commander, and the map is all of the ships that he's sunk. It's, it does not take them very long to make this leap. It's like two paragraphs, and then they're just like, yes, absolutely, this is definitely what yeah, happened. They have the power of the mystery machine and Scooby-Doo with them, so obviously it was just everything kind of fell into place. <laughs> and then we learn... Or should I say, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so we learn that Lingstrand had a fiancé who was on a ship that was sailing from the U.S., presumably to Sweden, and it never made it, also one year ago. 
so he's made up his mind that the captain is actually the German U-boat captain, and none of this could be a coincidence, but he wants to look at the map again. I guess ju- just to double check that it's all as on the nose as it appears to I be. I guess, like, if the captain is keeping track of all of the ships he's sunk, the fiancé's ship would be on it? They go outside again, they look at the water. They go inside again, and they have dinner. So Lingstrand uh, decides he's going to antagonize the captain and says that if he was a U-boat captain, again, just out of the blue, they're just eating dinner, he says if he was a U-boat captain, he would never sail through this part of the sea because of all the wrecked ships, uh, and he wouldn't want to sail here because he would see drowning faces sinking through every wave, which I thought was a pretty good line. So then the captain says, bah, which also is a good line. Uh, <laughs> is uh, I believe that's German for bah. Yeah, yeah. So, bah. And then he bah. says, the dead don't come back. So we've solved that. And everything's great. Uh, and then everyone just awkwardly sits there in silence. So there's just like a lot of going out, looking at the water, coming back in, having tea. Going out, looking at the water. And then a couple hours later, they have hot cocoa. Um, so there's a lot of snack breaks on the ship. Really getting after it on this. Uh, you know, from tea vessel. to cocoa, these are some real wild animals. <laughs> it's and, well, like there's like, oh, we better go. Our hot cocoa might get cold. Like their concerns about this are more than you would think. There's more cocoa based concerns. It's very sweet. <laughs> and for those, <laughs> yes, it's very sweet. <laughs> and for those of you who haven't read this, let's just say that not everyone touches their cocoa. <laughs> okay. So then they get inside. The captain is looking at the map. But then sees them, so he puts it away, folds it up, throws it in his pocket so no one can see it. Uh, So then they all just sit there in silence with their hot cocoa until uh, they hear knocking. Um, The captain yells, come in, again, in German. (laughs) Corrects himself, uh, says it again in Swedish, and uh, no one enters. So everyone's knocking, or there's knocking. Everyone's super confused. They're trying to figure out who's knocking, where it's coming from. Uh, it's like a, a series of patterns, and eventually they figure out it's Morse code. We don't know Morse code. It's just kind of shown to us as like S-O-S. So we get our first message. Spells well, out. maybe you don't know Morse code, but I happen to have a master's in I Morse, I would be incredibly by My impressed, and dashes. <laughs> Are on point. Uh, Morse code. Yeah. Okay. So we're in. A, we're now. We're inside the boat. Things are knocking. Uh, everyone knows Morse code. Or so they're just sitting in there, hanging out. Spells out S O S. I mean, they're seamen. Of course, they know Morse code. It's like right. seamen one hundred and one, right? <laughs> seamen one hundred and one. Learn Morse code. Thank you. Uh, moving on. Okay. So then this they spells out steamship. Then it spells out the name of the sunken ship. Uh, and then it spells out a longer SOS message that basically says, we are a ship and we're being uh, torpedoed. At this, Captain Horst loses his mind, starts yelling, um, says it's a trick, yells uh, at the guys who are in there, and then he says like to himself, how could they know the exact words? Okay, so now everyone knows what's up. These are the last words of the SOS message from the ship. He sunk it. He heard it. That's how he knows Uh, Everyone continues yelling. Jensen then tells everyone they have to shut up. um, And he starts tapping out Morse code on the table to communicate with the Morse code tapping ghosts. They 
learn um, that the person slash ghost at the other end of the tapping is the wireless operator. Uh, oh, they mentioned at, I mean, earlier that they didn't have wireless and that's why they were so confused about where the tapping was coming from. The ghost has wireless and it's just transmitting this tapping through that. Um, I hear the ghost pays thirty dollars like a month. I like how the ghost has to use. Yeah, I, I yeah, hear they I like buy. How the ghost has to use the technology. U.S. cellular thirty dollars a month, no limit on taps. It just unlimited <laughs> taps thirty dollars a month. U.S. cellular. You would need it. There is a lot of tapping that is happening. There's a ton of Morse code there in is this. Unlimited Morse code. Um, so the ghost keeps tapping things out. He says that he's in their ship and can see them, which is a little bit spooky. And then he says that the ghosts are the ones that led them to the ship. Apparently they found it really easily. When Jensen asks why, like, why are you doing this? Why did you leave us here? Um, he says the murderer can tell them. And then Horst freaks out again. The ghost describes that all of the people who were on the ship are now filing by to look at the captain. Basically, Super it's creepy. Really a yeah, like a, like, like a wake reception in reverse yes. you know where all the dead yeah, people are walking by very good. paying their respects uh so horst obviously continues to freak out that's kind of his jam in this section is that he hears something he panics this time he runs out of the room back to the outside of the ship on the deck everyone thinks he's gonna jump uh he doesn't he chickens out he just goes back inside and sits down with them presumably back in front of his hot cocoa so, now tepid cocoa, tepid cocoa. Right, his medium cocoa. Uh, so then the ghost taps out that he has a message from a lady. And obviously it is the dead fiance. So the ship she was on was sunk by gunfire. Then she was rescued by the ship that was torpedoed. So this lady, I was going to say lives. That's a bad yeah, day. Yeah, not great. Not great for her. Um the ghost taps out the message, she sure loves you and is waiting for you, which might be the creepiest message you could get from your dead ghost fiance. Um, and yeah, then, no, I'm not cool with that at all. No, no not, didn't no, love it. Don't say waiting for me. I, just say I, you love me. I'd be me, fine with you that miss personally. Me, you know, just kind of give me that heads up. Hey, say, hey, it's great over here. I'm if glad you you're passionate about your job. Good luck finding the ship. Make some money. <laughs> nope, just I'm waiting for you. See you soon. Um, cool, okay, cool. so now Thanks, it's hon. Lingstrand's turn to lose his mind. He tells Captain Horst that he's going to kill him. So he can either jump overboard or he's going to kill him with his bare hands. Horst reaches into his pocket for a gun that he has. Uh, Jensen tries to stop him. Jensen gets shot in the shoulder. And Lingstrand and Horst start very dramatically wrestling. Um, it's like the kind of wrestling where you can't tell who's who and who has the gun and who's pointing the gun at who. Um, so they just keep wrestling. Eventually they wrestle their way out the door. Jensen follows them, um, still bleeding because he was shot. But he is just in time to see them wrestling and both fall overboard. Uh, so then we hear a scream. There's a description of the ship that just keeps bobbing in the choppy water. And then the story ends. Absolutely <laughs> fantastic description, Jess. Thank you so much. So what did you guys think of this from the depths? <laughs> you know, I, I got to say, I enjoyed the story. It was simple. I think with my modern sensibilities, I really wanted there to be a twist. I thought for sure that actually they were the ghosts searching oh, out for more ghost Oh, that would have been a solid twist. 
Yeah, but this wasn't written by M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> it was written by F. Emmett Bergenstan. So, you know, at the F. end... F. Britton Austin. <laughs> exactly what I just said. Our bud Frank. Uh, so... Yeah, so uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald really sent me for a loop here <laughs> with uh, the the misnomer that actually everyone who is human promised to be human is human. That, uh, you know, the ghosts were communicating and basically telling in very plain, plain words. Hey, this guy killed me. We're down here. There's like 700 dead people. So uh, we're all walking by and staring at you right now. So, of course, the guy's going to go insane, right? I thought it was an easy to read story. It was like super on the nose. There wasn't anything that was some crazy twist. But again, we're talking the early 1900s, right? So what do you expect? Some serious... No, I'm really glad you brought that up, Damien, because this is one of the things that I love about stories from this era. They're, They're pretty simple and straightforward. The scares are very direct. There isn't a lot of twists or surprises. There's no M. Night Shyamalan stuff going on. Um, I, I love how, and I, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but I love how simple the story is, how straightforwardly it's told. Um, the, the, the guys are looking for the ship. The captain of the ship is the one who did the <laughs> torpedoing. He's, he's creeped out by it. Everybody, there's some creepy scenes. Um, I just really appreciate a, a good story well told. Uh, and and I, thought, I think that's what, that's what this was for me. Yeah, same. Jess, what, what did you think? Uh, I yeah. liked it when I was sort of trying to pick an order of what made sense to go through. Uh, <laughs> sorry. When it made sense to go through, uh, this one obviously has the title of the book, but it was just a good introduction. We've got a spooky ship, which comes up a bunch. We've got some ghosts. We've got some guys doing some revenge. These are kind of the themes that go through the whole collection. Um, And I thought it was just like a fun, easy read to start with. Some of them in the collection are not quite as entertaining. Some are significantly more entertaining, uh, scarier. But I I like this one as kind of an introduction to what's what's in here. See, I could have thought for sure that Jensen and Lingstrad were like in it, and they were doing the tapping underneath the desk just to like catch the uh, the perpetrator red-handed to kind of they had their suspicions that this you know Norwegian sea captain was actually German because he did things like swore in German or <laughs> responded in German or otherwise had a German name. It was like no. No duh, like we know who you are, okay? So I thought it was way too obvious, and I thought that there would be some crazy twist, but it wasn't. It was like the bad nope. guy was the bad guy. No, and that that's what I love about it. Like this is not postmodern writing. This is like in a, in a postmodern ghost story. Yeah, it it would be the guys tapping on the bottom of the table to try to catch him red-handed. Right. But what I love about this is the ghosts are ghosts, and they're doing ghostly things, even if they're doing it in Morse code. <laughs> and and while yeah, we we are two steps ahead of the narrator in understanding who Horst is, I mean, especially, right, when he swears in German and he has German maps and they're like, well, you don't think, do you? No, he couldn't be. Could he? This guy, Maybe. This guy needs to be no, a better, no yeah, he needs to be a better war criminal. That's all I need to say. Like, he's really leaving some some cracker crumbs and yeah. some cracker trails. Like, He's just depressingly staring at his map of ships he's torpedoed. Like, oh, all right. Maybe not quite. And then, like, how did they find this? It was like, because you left it everywhere, bro. Like, what, you what left it out Yeah, it was just like in the map, 
drawer. Like they're just looking for a map <laughs> and they found it in the map drawer. Right. So you imagine like this guy is sitting there late at night, like it's well past midnight. He's on his second, maybe his third cup of cocoa <laughs> at this point. He's just he's staring he's at this straight map up of his cocoa hammered. Cocoa hammered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we've talked about this. The setup for this story is very straightforward. Um, that's one of the things that I enjoyed about it. But what I want to what I want to know next is how do you think this story did? How do you think Britton Austin did here at building a sense of dread, even though the 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 setup is pretty straightforward? Um, how did it land for you as as the story moved on and the and the dread built, or 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 did it build for you? I think it started out spookier than. Sorry. Uh, It started out a little bit spookier than it ended up. Like, the ghosts were obviously very scary, but we have the descriptions of the scary water at the beginning, and he's looking out, and the sea is choppy, and there are, Mm -hmm. you know, waves and clouds, and they're, you know, like, that was a good setting, and then by the time the ghosts show up, they're talking about the weather is great, and they're ready to drop anchor and find this boat. So... You know, I would have appreciated a little stormy weather throughout the whole thing, I think. I'm with you. I love this line. This is in the first paragraph, uh, and it, I, I, just, I just loved these two lines here. It says, The violences of sea and sky were dangers as of yore. From the depths came now no menace. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're great. And, and ov- yeah. obviously, like, that doesn't come <laughs> true. Um, but from their perspective, right, there's no more worried uh, there's no more worries about being torpedoed. So I, I just love the way that was written. Yes. Unless same. it's torpedoed by spirituality. I will say that I, I thought that be. there was more atmospheric. I think that there were more atmospheric scares here in the, in the sense of being out on a largely isolated boat with a small crew, bobbing up and down in some very tumultuous waves. I guess someone who spent some time on the water, that to me was the most spooky part and feeling as though they were understaffed. Then when the, then when the supernatural presence actually made itself known, which at that point became a little sterile, it was like, oh, hello, we are dead. We were bombed by, we were torpedoed by your captain. Please send vengeance. And it was like, okay. What are, also, it's me, your fiance. I'm here too. <laughs> See you soon. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, jeez. Tone think- it back. Right. So before that happens, was anybody else waiting for them to like roll up their jeans and compare scars while b- getting blisteringly drunk and singing Spanish sea story songs? Yeah, it was. Right, that was a Jaws reference. I appreciate. It was not the, f- yeah, the f- yeah. most fun group, it, but it did have that sort of like, okay, there's three of them. Like there's obviously someone making the hot cocoa because it's just there, but we don't see anyone else that's working on the ship. It's just these two guys who are trying to figure it out and the guy who is probably their nemesis because he torpedoed the fiance. I wonder what a cocoa maker gets paid back in the day. Like, we don't I hear he before, gets so we paid. We need you to make cocoa. I hear he gets paid beans. Thank you. Thank well, you. That was a cocoa it joke. It probably that wasn't a cocoa joke. Thank you very much. Can I you use your I think we all missed that, Dan. Can you use your soundboard to give yourself applause real quick? <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to play the sounds. That's the only way Dan's ever gotten applause when he makes it himself. Hey, why would I do anything like that? That's not something that I would do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, thank you. You know I really appreciate that. Thank you. That's that's a recording of Damien's family. <laughs> Thanks, mom. Christmas time. <laughs> So this, I mean, one of the things that intrigued me about this story was this idea of a former combatant now serving on a commercial vessel. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in some ways, like, this is at the heart of what it means or, or, 
I guess I should own it, right? What I think it might mean to be a veteran, right? I'm, I'm not a veteran. I don't know if either one of you are. Um, but I should think that this is at the heart of what it means to be a veteran, to come back from, from a wartime experience and try to build a life in a civilian society. Um, and it's obviously, it's, it's, look, we all saw Rambo. It's very <laughs> difficult to do that. I didn't see Rambo. Um, what happens? It's, a, it's a great documentary. I hear, I hear everyone survives. I hear everyone hugs. Rambo's a great documentary, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what, I mean, what do you think that Austin uh, is suggesting here about how your crimes um, or, or even, should I say, your sins follow you wherever you go? I think that's, to me, that was a part of the point that he was trying to make, that you can't, Horst can't hide from this. Yes. Was it that Horst couldn't hide from it or was it that it was just super convenient to drive him to the heart of it? Here's here's my question <laughs> is knowing that he was responsible for all these things, why would he commandeer a commercial vessel to like go through the same waters? Well, there is and, a yeah, throwaway get- line where they say like, ooh, the ghosts, we led you here. So I think they're trying yes. to like, that's the explanation. Is the- There's like a supernatural explanation for why he was pulled there. I mean, it was just... Used- like- yeah, he knows where he's going. He has a and, map. And where are we? But are we in like the Atlantic waters off Britain? Is that yes. where this is? I think you know, they what, say what you, entering the British Sea or something. Okay, great. Okay. The British Sea at the time, I think, was every all single of bit it, of water. Yeah. So I mean, thank just, you for the British yeah, all Sea. All the seas. Yeah, it was like, uh, <laughs> it's the no, British the, the Sea. The global puddle. Where ships were sunk. So Yeah, you know, a lot most, of them. Uh, most a lot of them. All of them, yeah. Where did the Lusitania go down? That was one of the big ones, right? I, I don't know. I just think that I, I just think that when, when it was, I mean, horse with his like stoicism and his really like solid granite character. All of a sudden, for him to buckle up when he got contacted by the ghosts, or when you know the, the ghosts were sending Morse code messaging that was pretty sterile to say, "Hey, he killed us." Like obviously, he killed you. You had your German maps. You're <laughs> responding and swearing in German. Like, are you really going to buckle that hardcore? I don't know. I'll save it for my one minute. He did go from like, <laughs> you know, pretty serious and pensive, like staring out to sea. Like that was his character arc for the first. He's mm-hmm. just a real stoic guy to yeah. freaking out. And not a guy that Jensen and Lingstrand wanted particularly. To no, interact no, no, with, no. Right? It, he was, he was yeah, the captain and they, they weren't. They had their him. 45 snack breaks a day together, but they didn't like talk. They weren't buds. <laughs> they weren't no. bros. But then they went from that to you know, screaming and threatening to throw himself overboard. And I mean, pretty quick. Well, I I mean, speaking of bros, right? So in the middle of this bro story, there's, there's a romance subplot. Yes. Did did anybody have a thought about that? We needed a reason that we cared about, like a more personal reason that we cared about the captain, right? If it wasn't tied to those two men specifically, you know, like what reason did they have to Morse code out with the ghosts, right? They would just be like, oh, tapping, that's weird, right? You needed some reason to get them involved in the ghost story. And, yeah. you know, dead fiance, that's a real easy way to... That's a, that's a narrative <laughs> yeah. device, right? To drive, yeah. this, drive this forward. Espe- yeah, especially was... when dead fiance says, see you real soon, pal. Right. Oh, I can't wait till you're down here catch too. You on, I don't think this... Catch you on the flippy floppy. <laughs> I don't think this story passed the Bechdel no, test. That was a, no, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, the only female voice was lamenting over their lost lover as a ghost. Right. Yeah. Like, you've got ghost stuff to do. Go well, do your ghost and stuff. Sh- the fiancé didn't even get to pass on her own message because the wireless operator was the only one who knew. He had to do it. Yeah, a man yeah. had to do it for her. Probably right? twisted the words. She's she- like, did you 
ever take care of anything in our household and right. the wireless operator's like by the way she misses you a tremendous right. amount by the way see you real soon did you feed the cat and he said oh, throw yourself overboard so at the end of this story there is a great fight scene and i'm gonna talk about this in a minute because i really loved the writing here mm-hmm. but in the midst of this fight scene jensen does something weird he intervenes once the gun is drawn and gets shot why the hell did Jensen intervene? You know, did anyone picture this as being what, a slow-mo dive? What's he trying to do dive? here? I saw him as doing the, like, no! Yeah. Then he takes the pinger <laughs> in the shoulder, and he's like, no way! It says, Horst sprang to his feet, recoiled into the extreme corner of the chart house. No, he screamed, no! Or I shall kill you myself, <laughs> pursued Lingstrand evenly. Horst's face contorted suddenly with demonic passion. Jensen, who had approached and was watching him closely, saw his hand dart to the pocket of his jacket, and he flung himself forward just as the revolver cracked. Why in the world would you yeah, do that? Doesn't, Why do you care about Horst so much to take a bullet for him? It doesn't sound like anyone was making good decisions. You know what? What are you going to do in that situation, though? I mean, how many of us have been on a, uh, you know, I've been on a commercial recovery vessel trying to, uh, you know, interpret these ghostly SOS signals that we're getting through Braille? Not an experience. We you know, know that. Captain, you know, what are you going to do in that moment? I'll tell you what. Like, there are a lot of us who could say, obviously, in that moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to whip out a triple kick and I'm going to take the gun out of Horst's hands. It's going to kick and land in my hand and mm-hmm. then I'm going to cock it. And I'm going to say, look, pal, time for you to hit the deck. And then all of a sudden oh, people yeah, are going to cheer. All of a sudden the ghosts are going to be tapping out an SOS. Hooray. Thank you, our savior. But you know what? That's not really going to happen. What's going to happen is that Jensen's going to sit here and go like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to just throw myself in front of a body because maybe that's maybe I got some valor. Maybe this story is going to be told to my savior. No, that's my point, right? That's my point, right? When I don't know what to do in situations where there's a gun involved, you dive in front of the gun is not my choice. You dive. Everyone (laughs) takes a dive. Jess takes a dive. Ryan takes a dive. I I take a dive. We all dive. I give thanks, Damien, that you are out there willing to take a bullet for Jess and I at any time. I I guess I'm willing to take a bullet for But I don't know that I'm there. Uh, I've got really lovely coworkers, but if they're starting a fight with a guy... (laughs) uh, Who may be Swedish or German. Good luck. I hope it's okay. Enjoy your differences. I'm going to go to 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee right now. Right. Like, you could wait until you were on the land. You know, like, you could do this later. You're threatening to throw the guy off the boat or whatever. Like... I do. I, I'm glad you said that because I do have to say, like, where where Horst is is gonna like kill himself, right? He's gonna throw himself overboard, and then he hesitates because he can't be down mm-hmm. there with the ghosts. That was particularly effective for me. I I love that little mini tension, that dilemma of I can't I can't kill myself in this way because then I'll be down there with them, and things are gonna be worse. I for did me. Like especially. I thought that was really good. That yeah, he especially then just when goes and back- has more. Coco. Like, he just goes and sits yeah. back down at the table. Te- tepid Coco. <laughs> but especially when you think back to the earlier line that you pointed out, Ryan, about how he was like, the ghosts stay down below. You know, the dead stay down below. Right. It's it's like, that is, he sort of foretold, he foreshadowed his own ultimate fear. And I think that makes a ton of sense when you think about it. He knows that restitution is, is chasing him. And so he didn't want to volunteer his body overboard. 
Oddly enough, that's where he ended. But it also, you know, came at the expense. I mean, of you Lindstrom knew that's where it was going to end yeah. as soon as as soon as we figured out his character. You knew what was going to happen. The slightly anticlimactic way in which they both just sort of scuffled and went overboard. I agree <laughs> with you, Ryan, in that the writing was really effective here. It was just like what Jensen heard was a scuffling of feet and then like bodies sort of just maneuvering themselves. We have two people who aren't good at hand to hand combat that just sort of embrace <laughs> and fall over They're the just rails, wrestling, and they fall, and then that's yeah. it. They're dead, and then Jensen's sitting there bleeding out from his shoulder you don't know how the story ends after that but you know how it ends like nobody's in good shape and the ghosts maybe they think they have the revenge maybe they decide to capsize the boat who knows see part two there isn't a part two though um we've t- we've touched on this but what did you guys think of the writing how was the writing for you in this story this wasn't this wasn't a hard read it was it was a really simple story no. told simply and the descriptions of the waves and the bad weather and you know like it it's your setting. You see your boat. It used to be camouflage. It used to be in a war. Now it's just kind of floating around doing salvage stuff. Yeah, I, I agree, Jess. I, I really felt like I could feel myself there, um, particularly in some of the descriptions of the chart room. I thought it was very direct. It was very straightforward. I would love to take a look at some other stories from the Strand magazine from this era and see if they all sort of follow that same kind of direct approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder if he's if he's you know there's always a question right is a is a writer writing to an audience is he writing for a commercial mm-hmm. purpose um, or, or or is she writing to to cause a particular effect or effect a particular atmosphere um, in in this story I would hazard a guess that Britton Austin is writing uh, for the purpose of selling a story um, to a magazine that he has been in before and can can know that he's going to get into if he follows a certain formula or follows a certain pattern. I don't know that for certain, but that's my guess here. Now, I do have to say, particularly if this is your first foray into stories written in the early part of the 20th century or the latter part of the 19th century, you're going to encounter some um, what you you and I might consider humorous dialogue (laughs) tags. Um, Typically, (laughs) these days... Most writers just like to use he said, she said for dialogue tags, but that's not always the case in early 20th century writing, and we get, um, we get a lot of ejaculation when it comes to dialogue. So much so ejaculation. Be, These seamen are be phrases, just ejaculating you know, So-and-so ejaculated. Um, <laughs> if this is the first time that you've experienced that, just know that that is in there. Um, again... And, 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 and not to be punny, but the, the, the writing here was perfectly serviceable. It accomplished the, the goal uh, that it was going for. We got to the finish so my last line. Question okay, for you. thank you. <laughs> my last question for you guys, right? Um, does the scare hold up? This is an old story. Is it still creepy? Is it still a freaky story? I'm a little jaded. I'm going to say no. The scare does not hold up for me. Is it a well-written tale? Sure. Is it an easy 20 pages? Absolutely. It's a short story. You can struggle through this, and if you hate it, no big loss of time. But I think that the actual scariness is somewhat muted in the fact that this is... We had ghosts that weren't romantic. We had ghosts that uh, essentially like conveyed their message as sterile as possible. I think I've used sterile four times. Uh, a few I'm times. Sterile one more time. I've said yeah. solid so it, a lot. But that's so. just yeah. That's just it's just what it was. And I think that if I think that if the ghosts had had carried their message with a little more romanticism, I may have been a little more spooked. The scariest part to me was the muted fight that ended with two people going yeah. overboard to their death, like the truncated finish and finale. I thought was the scariest portion that and the atmosphere 
what was said with regards to the you know the bow of this boat just like bobbing up and down in this stormy weather that to me is terrifying like that is just a scary place to be on your own with a small crew so i thought that the actual supernatural element was the least scary portion of the story still an easy one to read i'm gonna yeah what did you think disagree i think the supernatural element was not necessarily this i mean i think it was scary uh, I was thinking about other stories where the point of it is ghosts are trying to communicate and they are using whatever technology, whatever means they can. So here we've got ghosts knocking out Morse code, but there's been a string of movies recently like um, the host movie where a ghost uses mm-hmm. Zoom. There's another one that came out a few years ago where like a ghost uses Facebook Messenger and like... right. You know, the fact that it's Morse code, I think it's just like, all right, that's... It's the yeah, technology of the day. Got. We've got knocking on a ship, and that's how we're going to convey our message. And if they had a, you know, smartphone, they'd be getting, you know, DMs from the ghost or whatever. But that's what we got. I thought that was effective and, and holds up. Yeah, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with Jess on this one. Um, I felt like the scare mostly held up, particularly in the scene where... Before the Morse code stuff, because once that stuff starts, it, it doesn't hold up for me. Um, but but before that, when there's the knocking on the ship and they're in this very small room, this map room, this chart house room. Yeah. Um, and there's knocking on all sides. I tried to put myself in that situation. That would be freaking. Yeah. That would that would win me out. Right. If there's knocking all around and I don't know where it's coming from. And aside from the cocoa maker, everybody that's on this ship is in the room with me. Where is this knocking come from? I would I would be freaking out at that point. So I thought that was particularly effective. I do think that the pedantic way in which the Morse code was was communicated, and obviously it's Morse code, right? You're not going to use florid prose in Morse code. Um, but that took away from the scare element a bit until it came to the point, as I mentioned before, where the captain was afraid to commit suicide by right. throwing himself overboard. That, I, that that was a reflective moment for me, like, oh, yeah, I guess that would be really scary. So I, I'm going to say that, that, that for me, the scare uh, held up pretty well. Um, as just mentioned at the top of the show, right, there's other stories in this in this anthology that are a lot scarier than this one. Um, but. I think this one did did pretty good and was a great place for us to start. So one minute review time, whiskey rating time. This is where we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna give the story each uh, a whiskey rating from uh, one finger, which would be very poor, to a whole fist of whiskey, which would be an amazing story. Whiskey fist hashtag um, whiskey so fist whiskey fist hashtag whiskey fist. Hit us up what, what, um, so once you, Jess, once you follow turn- us. Once you follow us at that whiskey weird pod on Twitter. Hashtag Whiskey Fist if you thought this was a exquisite, perfect story. (laughs) Damien is pushing the hashtag Whiskey Fist here, so go for it if you're up for it. Uh, Jessica, I'm going to throw this to you first. What's your one-minute review and your whiskey rating? Okay, my whiskey rating I'm going to start out with is a 2.5. I thought it was a solid story. Got the job done. Uh, I knew what was happening. I knew what was going to happen. But then it still happened in a scary, entertaining way. Um, I... I think the scare holds up. I think the writing was clear, easy. I think it's a good introduction to this collection, too. So I think that if you liked this one, you should keep reading the rest of the stories. I think if you didn't like this one, you should keep reading the rest of the stories because some of them are a little bit better. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go two fingers on this one. Um, It it just wasn't very terrifying. Uh, And while while I liked the prose, while I liked the writing... I just think that there were some elements that could have been uh, exemplified a little bit more. 
Look, at the end of the day, like it's easy to throw Germans as being the bad guys. Are they ever really the good guys? No. Uh, so my if this and that later, you'll appreciate. Uh, but you, you know, I think it, I think when it comes to reading the story, is it easy to kind of pack down? Sure. Does it fill you with surprises or dread? No. And, and then I, I sit there and I wonder from a like scientific standpoint or from a chronological standpoint, if it takes you about three seconds to tap out a letter in Morse code, some of these codes, they must have been standing there in absolute silence for at least three or four minutes. And I'm like, there is no way that you can build tension while listening to tap outs of Daws and Dashes. So thank you very much. But I just suspended my disbelief. I've suspended my suspension of disbelief. So I give it two, uh, I give it two whiskey fingers and let you know that the rest of the collection is uphill. Damien, do you not remember AOL Instant Messenger and those three little dots that would show up and you're sitting there waiting on the edge of your seat for what your buddy is going to say? That's about in the present. That That's in the present, Ryan. <laughs> that when we see those that ellipsis like waving and wiggling in our iPhones, we're like, "What are you going to say?" And then they don't say anything, and you're like, "What did I do? Does my breath?" That's because they forgot. <laughs> yeah, they they totally they're, they're pulling it back. So I don't know if, if we're all sitting around and one of us is a killer, a mass murderer, and he's just listening and waiting for the message to come across, and it's entirety well someone doesn't know how to be a good murderer okay so two two fingers you guys are two fingers you guys are harsh (laughs) critics i'm giving this 3.5 whiskey fingers uh three and a half fingers of whiskey on this one i've read a lot of stories uh from from olden days i guess you could say i really like them i have a soft spot uh soft spot in my heart for them um and i had a ton of fun with this story despite my misgivings about the writing I really liked this story. I didn't love it, as I said. Um, I felt like it was really creepy in certain parts. And um, the only thing holding it back for me was the writing. The writing was, was pretty pedestrian. Um, it, was, it was very not poetic. It was not, um, not elevated in, in any way. Um, I'm tempted to say that this is the kind of story that's right up my alley when it comes to old ghost stories, but I think what I'm going to go with tonight is the story floated my boat. So three and a half whiskey fingers from me. Ick. Uh, <laughs> and now we're going to move to our uh, if this then that. Um, who's got a who's got a uh, Jessica? Why don't you tell us another another story or another something out there that if you like this story you might okay. like this. If you like the story, you should watch the movie His House on Netflix. Twenty twenty movie directed by Remy Weeks. Um, it's about refugees from South Sudan settling in England. Uh, it doesn't seem like it should have a lot of overlap with this old timey sea tale. Um, but it really does. There's similar themes of like wartime decisions, um, ghosts out for revenge. There's a couple spooky boat scenes. Um, even if you didn't like this story, you should still watch the movie. It's it's really, really incredible. That's awesome. His House. I loved that movie. I think that's a great recommendation if you enjoyed this story. Well, thanks for joining us for our maiden voyage here on Whiskey and the Weird We had a lot of fun tonight, and we hope that you'll join us again next time. We hope to release these episodes every two weeks for your enjoyment. Um, What story are we talking about next time, guys? We are reading The Ship of Silence by Albert R. Wetjen. That's what I have written down, but I can't really read my handwriting. Uh, This one is, believe it or not, it's another spooky ship, and this time including a very creepy bird. And I think that's the first story yeah. in the collection, right? So if you're following along, that's the it first story. It is the story. very first one. Uh, looking forward 
looking forward to that one. Damien, where can our new friends find us online? Hey, all, we're going to do this and we're going to deliver it to you every week or a few weeks. You know, we're going to figure that out. But <laughs> in the meantime, why don't you follow us at, at WhiskeyWeirdPod on Twitter? That's whiskey with an E. We know there's a lot of universal and global ways of spelling whiskey, but we're, we're, we're putting the old fashioned E in there. So at WhiskeyWeirdPod on Twitter. You can also find us on Instagram, which is going to include some show notes. Uh, whiskey and the weird on Instagram. Whiskey and the weird again. E and the whiskey. That's awesome. Thank you, Damien. We look forward to catching up with all you guys on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, if you've got a question, if you've got a thought, send it to us there. We'll see if we can uh, answer your question. We don't proclaim to be experts. We're just fans like you. And as always, uh, if you would subscribe to the podcast, that would help us out tremendously. What would help us even more is if you left a review, if you gave us a star rating or a whiskey finger rating um, or wrote a review, even if it's just a couple of sentences, that really helps us get noticed. And if, if you're enjoying this content, we want to bring you more of it and we want to bring it to more people. So check that out and leave us a rating and a review. I want to give a special thanks tonight to Dr. Blake Brandis, who provided our music for Whiskey and the Weird. Until next time, I'm Ryan Whitley. Oh, I'm Jessica Burke. And I'm Damian Smith. <laughs> and we're reminding you that waves are not measured in feet or inches. They are measured in increments of fear. Jeez, Ryan. So that's actually, wait, 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 wait. That's, that's we, my outro choice. We've got a couple of choices tonight. All right, we're going to battle over uh, this we one. We don't know what we're going to do here. This, this Damian, is, what's yours? This is the very first episode of Whiskey and the Weird. So we got to basically put ourselves into the competitive ring. And my vote for outro is as such. Ready? Drum roll, please. Thank you very much for joining us on Whiskey and the Weird. As always, keep your friends through the ages and your creeps in the pages. Oh, my God. Have a great day. <laughs> groan. 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 Jessica, save um, us. Okay. Jessica, do oh, it. Hold on. Hold on. It's the ghost of a dead wireless <laughs> operator who's telling me that it is time to end this podcast. Uh, so uh, everyone have a great and spooky night. Uh, don't forget to follow us on uh, Instagram, social media, all of those good things. Um, good night. Oh, boy. All right. No, no whiskey in the weird. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.